14 if you have your Bibles tonight, and hopefully you brought them. And if not, I encourage you to bring your Bible to church. And if you left it in your car tonight, don't think I'm looking over because I can't see if you got it or not. But Matthew chapter number 14, we, uh, and I, will, I did, while you're turning, I will say this, I forgot to mention this, the sign-up sheets are still up front for the nursery workers, some of them have been filled in uh, for next year, we need to get that taken care of, and then also, if you're able to help with the on-call meal, which is used for our funerals and our families that's lost loved ones, uh, if you want to fill something out that you can be helpful for when that call comes out, that you know what dish you need to make. That's up here as well, and if we can knock that out, that would be a great blessing as well. Everybody, uh, it can't all fall on one person. Y'all know that. A church takes an army to get that to work, so we want to make sure we, we spread that load. And I'm thankful for a church that has the heart to care and to help others, all right? Matthew chapter number 14, Sunday morning, uh, we started a, a series, and I said, you know, while Brother Brian's gone, and he will be back eventually, so if you're waiting on him, just keep coming. Eventually, he'll be back in the pulpit, and they say, well, Brother Brandon, when? Well, I'm not going to tell you that, because you'll stop coming until he comes back, so just keep coming, and eventually, there'll be a different ball guy in front of you up here uh, on a Sunday soon coming, but I started a series on Sunday, and really, uh, with the young people, sometimes I do series, we're, we're in one right now during Sunday school, but really, it's usually, and it's still is just because I say I'm going to preach on something Sunday doesn't mean it's going to make it to Sunday brother Dalton sometimes God changes it and hopefully he changes it before Saturday night brother Evan right before we get up here if it happens both ways but thankfully the Lord's going to let me finish this tonight unless he changes his mind in the next 30 seconds but we started a series on biblical absolutes now young people some of you were in here some of you were not we've been dealing with some things you should know on Wednesday night some things that I've been taught some things this church has helped teach me that now we are responsible for teaching you so along the same lines one of the things you need to realize is there are some absolutes in your life we gave some examples of the word absolute we give mathematic examples and if I were to ask you tonight and you don't ask that crowd questions because they'll give you answers and sometimes you don't want the answers but if I were to say tonight if I were to ask Nikki and I'm not gonna put him on the spot because I think he knows this but if I were to say Nikki what's one plus one I'm not supposed to put you on the spot what's one plus one it is not three I should I should have never put him on the spot I knew better than that. I fell right into that, Brother Evan. But one plus one, contrary to him, is two. And anything times zero is zero. Anything times one is the number that you're multiplying. So that is an absolute in our life. There are certain concrete things in our life, just like life and death, that we cannot change, that it will not change. It will always be part of our society as long as we live. That is an absolute. But what about biblical absolutes? There are some things in the Bible that is not a conviction. It is a commandment. It is something that is concrete, such as thou shalt not kill, or, or thou shalt not have any other gods before me. That's not something you say, well, Brother Brandon, I'm not convicted about putting anything above the Lord. Well, it's not a conviction. It's a commandment. And that's two different things in the Scripture. Now, convictions, I people have different ones. Some of them may seem crazy to you, and some of mine may seem crazy to you. Some of yours may be crazy to me, some of you may, I remember vividly growing up and hearing stories of preachers, and, I, and if you were like this, I promise you, I, it's okay, but I, there are some people that, that don't allow TVs in their house. And uh, they said, well, Brandon, do you have any? Of course, I got kids. If I don't tie them down sometimes, let them watch something, they're on my nerves all the time. But we got TVs in our house, so that's not a conviction that I have. Now, if you do, that's fine. We can come sit at your house and draw and color and look at the wall and paint pictures or whatever else you do at your house. But that's not a personal conviction. I haven't been able to find other stuff on there that they're not allowed to watch and that I'm not allowed to watch that I shouldn't watch, but it's still in my house. I said, Brother Brandon, I believe with all my heart you wear a, a white shirt while preaching. Well, I've got one on tonight. 
right, but that's not a conviction of mine, and we know people that do. You say you can't wear flowery ties because it's not, I can't find chapter and verse on that at all. So that's a, that's a conviction. That's not necessarily a commandment. Now, I'm not bashing anybody or picking on you because if you're a child and your parents have convictions, they are your convictions until you have your own mortgage because you are living in their house. Often, we deal with that with Malachi. He's not out here. He'll say, well, I'll just do this or I'll, or I'll do that. Or this is, and uh, actually, I know what it was. My dad built him a playhouse and I don't, I don't know. They got a lot of money in this thing, but they honestly got windows in it and now it's in my driveway. And so I'm going to deer hunt out of it. He says, I'm not, but it's on my property. So I'm going to use it as a deer stand but Malachi said well I'm going to move out there in that thing that way I can do what I want to do I said well the only one problem with that it's on my property he said well what about I said you move it to the yellow line in the middle of the road and I said then you can do what you want to do he said well I'll go to my grandma and grandpa I said that ain't gonna work either because you got to walk across my property to get to them but we all have certain things and I said that to say this that we have on our mind that the Bible says and the Bible doesn't say what the Bible means and the Bible doesn't mean. Well, tonight, as I started Sunday, I want to give you some absolutes that no matter who we are, is true in our Bible. Now, Brother Brandon, we're in our last days, and I believe with all my heart, I believe the Lord could come back literally today. Had literally, Brother Harold, today. So I'm not really worried about right now in my life what might be, and I know we have to prepare for things that might come or that could come, but I'm more interested in making sure I have the things right in my life that are absolutes in my life. Not maybes, but absolutes. Sunday morning, I told you the first absolute was this, this phrase, almost will never be enough. And that's the truth in life and in the Bible. You little kids, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Please don't correct me out loud because some, some of you will. But I, I think about it. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know what, I'm glad that I almost won? No, I've never heard anybody say that. Why? Because everybody competes, wants to win. Nobody's ever said, man, what are you going to do today? I'm going to take second place today. That is my goal. No. Now, I mean, you may hear somebody say, I want to at least finish in the top 10, but everybody that's racing or playing is going for first place. There's nobody that ever says, I'm thankful that I almost got the job. I mean, I applied, I went to college, I got $30 million in student loans, and I almost got the job. That's exactly why I went to college. No, because absolutes are something that is real, but almost will never be enough. Now, in that phrase, almost, by introduction tonight and quickly getting to the message, we dealt with three things, three statements, Brother Harold, that almost does never fit in. The first one, Sunday morning, and really the most, not really, the most important is I almost got saved. That cannot be a statement that's in your life, whether you are a teenager here tonight or whether you are 80 or 90 years old or even older than that tonight in here. The word almost cannot be in your salvation sentence. When someone tells, hey, would you stand up and give your testimony? Brother Hoyt can't stand up and say, well, I almost one time got saved. Or we're standing before the Lord one day and, and he says, hey, listen, or, 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 and, and, and you're, you're answering for your sin, you're answering for your life. You can't say, well, I almost got saved. That's not going to work. We learned that. It can't be like that. This Sunday night, we studied something near and dear to my heart, and that is saying this statement, I almost said I was sorry. There's some times in our life that we must say that we're sorry. Can I tell you, Brother Brandon, is not always right. My decisions aren't always right. My actions aren't always right as a parent, as a youth pastor, as a help to our pastor, as a coworker, as a boss, or whatever it may be. There's sometimes I miss the mark, and I've got to say the words that's hard to get out, especially when you don't want to be, but sometimes you've got to say, I am sorry so we can't say the phrase i almost said i was sorry because sooner than later the ones that we need to say it to will not be here and then our regret is elevated 10 times more because 
I almost got saved and I almost said I was sorry will never work. What about number three, wrapping this up tonight? And I don't know where we'll be Sunday, but obviously this is the last one of this absolute. Almost will never be enough. What's the third statement with Kevin that almost can't be? And it's very simple, near to my heart. And you kids, I preach it to you a million times, but you're going to hear it a million and one tonight. And it's this, I almost totally surrendered my life. Brother Brandon, what do you mean by I almost totally surrendered? Well, in Matthew chapter number 14, we are here and we've been in this boat many times before. It's colored many colors in my Bible, Brother Evan. And there's a lot of notes written beside it. But I want to read it one more time, and maybe in a new angle. Take your mind there really quickly, and then we'll go back home. Matthew chapter number 14, verse 22. The Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrains his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was, not, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea and was tossed with waves, and the waves were, uh, was contrary. And the, and the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And he cried, out, uh, he cried out for fear, and they cried out for fear. Verse 27, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it, it, uh, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter, verse number 28 in our text verse, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come down to thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him. And he said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. Now we've all, more than likely, and I say that, but just as Brother Todd McKeon explained at our youth rally, there's some things that we think everybody automatically knows about the Bible, but you'd be surprised if you went out into Winston-Salem or went into Greensboro, even Yakin County, every service you go to, there's some people that have never heard the Bible like you've heard the Bible. I go teach Jonah and the whale, and immediately my, 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 maybe it's in my era, but my immediate thing was we've all heard this story. Maybe all of us haven't heard this story. But most of us have heard the account or read the account or saw it drawn in Sunday school or children's church or, or had the opportunity to color a sheet of Peter walking on the water. There have been a lot of messages preached out of faith and getting out of the boat and different things tonight that we could draw applications to. But I want to look back at that phrase because a lot of times in our life, and can I tell you, our church is really over the majority. If statistics were true, our church would be in the greater percentage of those that have fully surrendered their life to God. There's not many churches, Brother Wayne, that I know that have a better work ethic than our church. So I'm not here tonight to bash you. Y'all came on a Wednesday night when you could have stayed home and watched the Texas Rangers win the World Series tonight. I think if they win tonight, they clinch it. But I don't have a hat in that fight. I like Atlanta, so whoever wants to win can win. But you could have stayed home, so you're here. I'm not here to bash you. I'm here to encourage you, but also remind you, and really importantly, these teenagers, because they're in the decision-making time in their life, but many of us adults have forgotten what it was, what it was, and what it is to totally surrender our life to Christ. I think about this, this phrases that we've looked at already. I almost got saved and I almost said I was sorry. And the third one, obviously, it's not about salvation, but I almost totally surrendered. Matthew chapter number 14 describes someone that completely assembled or completely surrendered his life and gave himself, though he was not perfect, he put all of his faith in Jesus Christ on this night. 
Peter obviously had never walked on the water before and had never probably attempted to walk on the water before, even though he grew up and he was a fisherman and he'd been on many boats more than likely, but he had never, to my knowledge, before this point, ever stepped out of the boat. You say, well, Brother Brandon, this sounds a lot like salvation because surrendering is what you say we do when we surrender to salvation. But I teach our kids, and I've said it really about every winter challenge we've had, an opening remark when I give them the do's and the don'ts and how not to wrestle and how not to fight each other and what not to do in the hotel and how not to get kicked out. I usually wrap up that meeting and I say this. Those of you that are here lost, we want you to get saved. But those of you that are here saved... We want you to be surrendered because there are two dates in your life. Brother Brandon, you're confusing me. Salvation is the most important, and it is. But there was another date in my life. I was already saved at eight years old, but I give a testimony, a brief part of my testimony, where I was failing in my life Sunday night, and I was open with you. I wanted you to be open with me and open with God because there's no pride in saying I'm sorry, but that was not the day that I totally surrendered my life at salvation. Now, at eight years old, I didn't know what it meant to live for the Lord. I didn't know what it meant to have hard times. I didn't know what it meant necessarily to, to, to serve and to suffer and to, and to worship and to give all of my life to the Lord. That came much later in my life. But those two words, salvation versus surrender, I wrote this down today, and it helped me, and it may help you as well. At salvation, we surrender our heart. But at the day of surrenderance, we surrender our life. There's a difference there's a lot of saved people in churches everywhere. By the way, and I would even say the majority on the rolls, they, they've surrendered their heart to salvation. And I say, thank the Lord for that. But there's a whole lot less of them that's fully surrendered their life. And young people, that's what our goal is for you. Can I tell you, that's the only way, Brother Josh, that they're going to stay after 18 is that something happens before 18 that gets into their life and they realize this is what I want for the rest of my life and I'm not going anywhere, whether it's this church or another church, whether they marry in this church or they marry out of this church, that church is not a question for them. Something's got to click. And most of the time, just like salvation, and I'm going somewhere I can take you to a day that I was saved, but Travis, you can take me to a spot on Siloam Road where you were saved, but I can also take you to an altar to where I told God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Now, another myth or another interp interpretation of this is when you fully surrender, God calls you to preach. When you fully surrender, God calls you to be a missionary. I tell you, this is as far from the truth as it can be. Because though God can save everybody in this room and he wants to, not everybody in this room is going to be a preacher. Say, Brother Brandon, are you better than me? No, we can trade places right now. I'll take this off, and I'll go home and watch the ball game. But I'm telling you, there's some things that God wants you to do in your life that I cannot do. Miss Savannah, when you play the piano, often I, I try to play the same thing you're playing on the back of that pew like I know what I'm doing, but I don't got a clue how to play that thing. I mean, I can play, I can play the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. That's about all I got. I can play a little bit of the guitar just enough for my family to sing, and that's about all I've got. So that talent she has, I don't have. Brother Travis, you connect with kids in a certain way that, that God blesses me to have you, but I can't connect with them like that, and you can't connect with them like this. Miss Mary, you've counted for years. Now Miss Mary's retired, and she's my personal wisdom secretary. I go to Miss Mary before I preach. I say, you got anything of wisdom? She usually has something to say to me, and it helps me when I preach. Most of the time, it ain't got nothing to do with the message, but that's, she's retired from treasuring, and now she's my personal wisdom secretary. And Miss Janet has inherited the headache of dealing with me and Brother Brian and everybody else. Say, Brother Brandon, what does that mean? Everybody's story is different, but everybody, God, wants their life 
to fully surrender. Brother Brandon, you've said a lot to get to this point, and you're right. That salvation, you surrender your heart. That total surrenderance, you surrender your life. While there's nothing more important, don't misinterpret this, there's nothing more important than salvation. I believe with all my heart, Brother Evan, you'll never have full joy, peace, and satisfaction until you surrender your life totally to the Lord. I believe that. I believe there's a lot of people that saved going to heaven that still does not have full joy and satisfaction that others have, not because they're perfect, but just because they figured out that he is really all that matters. Now, again, you say, Brother Brandon, you say, I've got to be a fanatic. I've got to think about God all the time, everything I do. No, I get up in the mornings, and I've not got it figured out, but I go to work, and I provide for my family, and there's things that I do that have nothing to do with church, but in the back of my mind, not only my testimony, not only my walk, but everything in my action, I ought to be thinking of this place and, and pointing to this place and the priorities and the meetings and the revivals and the youth rallies, all of that stuff. Say, Brother Brandon, it can't always come first, and I can't go to everything, but the most important thing is to know and for my children to know that God God comes first in our life. I think about a pool. I never forget, Brother Chris Hazlip, Brother uh, Allen preached this message, and I can't remember if he done it on the stage, but this one actually works pretty well. We get into a swimming pool. Now that I'm older, Brother Dalton, I don't do what I used to do. I try to find the shallow end, and I walk in until my, my toes are numb, then my ankles are numb, and finally I get about knee deep, and I just chicken out and stand and let the kids play. But when you get into a pool like that, man, it's cold. Oftentimes, and there's not, a lot of, there's not a lot of faith in that. Now, the sign says one foot, so I know if I'm over a foot tall, as long as I stand up, I'm not going to drown. If I get into three foot tall of water and I can't swim, and I know it's a fear. There's people in our family I won't pick on tonight that they can't swim, but I've seen people panic in three foot foot of water, and they're six foot tall. Just stand up. That's all you got to do, but it don't, it don't click in your mind, brother. Having to say, but I'm going to drown if I fall off this float. Just stand up. I mean, if you're taller than the water, I'm not great at math, but just stand up. It doesn't take a lot of effort to get in a three foot of water, even if you can't swim, because you're taller than three foot tall. But there was a day in my life, and there's not been every time, brother Travis, and again, I'm not holier than thou, but there's some times in my life where I can't walk in, where if I'm going to go with God, I've got to jump in. And when I jump in, Nikki, then all I'm doing is I'm surrendering my full body, 12 foot of water, 15 foot of water, or 30 foot of water if you're at a lake, wherever it may be, and you better have a life jacket on or whatever's fine, but you fully submerge your life. That's what Peter was doing here in Matthew chapter number 14. He wasn't using the word almost in his surrenderance. He said, I totally surrender myself. I'm stepping out of the boat and allowing God to use me. No remorse, no reserve, no regret, but fully surrendering our life. The fact, number one, about total surrenderance quickly tonight is simply this. Total surrenderance, just like salvation, is time-sensitive. You only have so many days in your life to get saved. And the scary part is, Brother Evan, if we don't know when that time is up. There's many people that I know, and I've dealt with a guy before, even when I wasn't where I needed to be with the Lord, and he made this statement, and his religion, and how foolish this is, and I'm not meaning to bash anybody, this is foolish. He said, in our religion, you don't have the power to pray until right before you die. Then you pray, and God accepts you. There ain't one problem with that. I don't know when I'm going to die. I mean, I don't know, should I pray now, or in 15 minutes? Or is that car meeting me coming down the road? Is it going across my lane? Should I start praying now? I'm not living like that, Hoyt. 
I'm not going to be on edge all the time and wonder, is today the day? That's a, that's a crazy religion to follow, and yet thousands of people are saying we don't have the right to pray, and, and nobody has the, the, the power to ask for salvation, and it's a time-sensitive matter, but just as much, maybe not severe, but also fully serving God is a time-sensitive. But Randy, give me an example. Now, again, I brag on Brother Harold often, and I love him for being here tonight, and he's much older than I am, and he helps serve sandwiches at... Um, Bible school but I didn't see Brother Harold out there jumping on the jumping thing and I don't think he's going to North Myrtle Beach with me in a few months why is that he says you've lost your mind his life though it's important to this church he has passed that stage I'm not taking him to Georgia and putting him in a 12 by 12 sale with nine boys in our room Brother Harold shoot every one of you and he has the right to because that's not his ministry at this church does he have a place at this church absolutely Brother Wayne, I don't think you're going to Georgia next year. I don't think, said Brother Brandon, I ain't going nowhere near them kids. I want like a, you know, a mosquito, I got mosquito spray. Some of you got kids spray on you so they don't come close to you or you don't take a bath on purpose. And I get that. Your purpose for this church is something different. It's something different. Now, I get to go to camp with the kids and Brother Travis and others get to go and, and, and help and run and do that because they're in that time. But guess what? Sooner or later, though, I'm, though I guess I could be the youth pastor in a wheelchair, I'm not going to be as effective, Miss Allison, in a wheelchair unless we're popping wheelies and racing. I'm not going to be as effective when I'm 90 years old. So when should I live for the Lord? If I'm going to do something as a 34-year-old young man or a middle-aged man or a bald man, whatever you want to call me, if I'm going to do something, hey, I turned 35 in January. If I'm going to do something for the Lord at 34, I've got to do it right now. It's time-sensitive. How many people in this church would love to be able to go and to do? They, they give and they watch and they weep and they rejoice in what the young people are doing, but they're not able to participate. One of the greatest blessings, Miss Linda, is to me is, when she makes me a pound cake, man, I love that. Say, it's bad for you. I don't care. It's good. I bring her the plate back and pray over it and say, Lord, please send this back in a few months with something else on it. But, I mean, I, I can't expect Miss Linda to get up and fix breakfast. We used to fix our, many of y'all been to Winter Challenge before, and we fixed meals together. Our boys done breakfast. Let me rephrase that. Brother Travis and Brother Adrian done breakfast, and the rest of our boys woke up at some point. But at nighttime, our girls fixed. Miss Beth, we about starved to death several times because of thinking, what do you mean go in the refrigerator and get food? They don't come out of the box. And I said, no, we got to fix the food tonight if we're going to eat. I mean, we're vividly, Brother Josh, moving quickly. The one year we were at Ocean Isle Beach, and the kids were eating deli sandwiches, and Miss Christie got out a pack of bologna and began to fry it. And you thought we had ribeyes. They never had fried bologna. I mean, they were lining up like ducks. I said, man, start charging them. Their parents got money, $5 a sandwich. Charge them so we can make something off this. All of, I said that to say this. I'm in that stage right now in my life, but I want to always be in that stage. If God leaves me here, I could be an assistant to our pastor. I could be a door holder. I could be a vacuumer. But I can't always, if I'm 90 years old, don't expect me to be chasing them with a cane because that's not what God's got for my life, I don't believe. Now, if he does, then more power to it. Y'all pray for me. I was in a bus meeting the other day, and Brother Brian said, our goal is still to have 10 vans. I looked around and said, who else is he going to hire? Because somebody's got to do this. Brother Brandon, what's the problem? Just like salvation, our surrender, it's time-sensitive. That's fact number one. Fact number two, no one who surrenders regrets it. Everyone who surrenders wishes they had done it sooner in their life. But the Herald, I've never met anybody that said, you know what, I wish I'd waited 10 more years before I started serving the Lord and being faithful to church. I've never met nobody that said that. They've all said, Brother Allen, that, man, I wish I'd have done it sooner in my life. 
because they realize that this is really all that matters. I've said a lot to get to this, and I'm not going to preach all of this, but I've been trying to get biblical facts in order to back up my, my statements because, again, we're learning about spiritual absolutes. Why is it an absolute that almost is never enough? Well, in salvation, we proved Sunday morning that almost is never enough because salvation is something that you've only got a limited amount of time to do. Same thing with saying, I'm sorry. You can't say, I almost said, I'm sorry. We need to apologize now. Let God mend that. Let God help us with that and reduce regrets. But the same goes tonight when I say, I almost totally surrendered my life. I don't want to look back and get to 50 years old and say, you know what? I think I'm going to do something with the Lord. I've already wasted the years that I had the energy to do something for the Lord. I give you a couple of biblical examples. We're not going to turn there for the sake of time. But if you go back to the book of 1 Kings on your own time, chapter number 19, you're going to meet, and you may get them confused, but Elijah finds Elisha. And Elisha is there working with a hare with a team of oxen and a plow. I've heard preachers preach a message before on burnt plows and dead cows. Now, I didn't preach on that tonight. I had preached on two-ply toilet paper from here, but I ain't never preached on burnt plows and dead cows but uh, as Malachi's teacher, Miss Casey asked me the other day, what's your favorite animal? He said, the ones I eat. I said, you cannot put that on a paper at school. I mean, he's like ribeye. I said, snack. But I, I think about meeting Elisha that day. You know that he turns, and brother, I'm paraphrasing, Brother Evan, you correct me if I'm wrong, but he begins to follow Elijah, and he says, hey, listen, you can't go back. He, so he turns around and goes back, and he breaks up the, 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 the plows, and he slaughters the ox, and he starts a fire with that wood of the plows. He burns everything that he has, and he says, fine, you can have it. I'm following you. I think about the miracles and the double miracles, the double portion that he got because he asked of God would have never happened had he not left what he had on earth and not left that team of oxen and not left that plow and said, you know what? I'm totally surrendering to God. I'm following him with all of my heart. He walked away from it all. Now, I'm not saying quit school and quit jobs because you've got to understand all that's important. But we can live for the Lord and take care of our families the same way. And our church does. Our families are here to in revival. Our families are here tonight on a Wednesday night. Got to tell you, the majority of people are not in church in East Bend on Wednesday night. It's become absolute. It's become not important. But can I tell you, it's one of the most important things for your family. When you can get them here, and I know schedules are busy. But when you can get them here, man, it'll change their life. You'll see God do things. Eventually, it's going to click. Brother Travis, and when it clicks, you'll watch your children serve him, maybe even more faithfully than you served, because God has great things for them. But Elisha, he, he broke up the plows, he killed the cows, and he served God. He totally surrendered. Not almost, but he fully surrendered. But then I think about also about Jonah. You say, Brother Brandon, Jonah eventually fully surrendered to the Lord. Yeah, but he didn't immediately and can I tell you, Jonah teaches us in the Bible, it's about an absolute, is this, when you don't obey God, you will pay the price. Well, Brother Brandon, I don't live near the ocean, but I can I tell you, and I've heard Brother Gammon preach a message on this as well, God's got a fish for you. And it may not be a whale, but it could be a sickness, it could be something in your life, it could be a job, it could be anything. And I'm not being gruesome today, but I'm telling you, when God wants to get your attention, He's going to get your attention. He's going to get my attention. God told Jonah, Brother Wayne, He said, go to Nineveh. And Jonah, just like any of us, would have said, I'm not going to Nineveh. They're cannibalists. They kill people. They hate me. They're going to murder me and hang in my skin in the middle of the town going in. I'm not going down there. So he takes the care of it. The Bible says he pays the fare thereof. And you could preach on sin always costing you more than you're willing to pay. He goes and he flees to Tarshish. But we know the story. In the midst of the sea, they cast lots. He says it's me. They throw him over for three days and for three nights. He's in the belly of a whale. A large fish, the New Testament calls it a whale. 
God's got a fish for us. What's it going to cost us to not fully surrender to God? After three days, and I'm going somewhere with this, Jonah was surrendered and he went. And somebody tell me, how many people got saved in the city of Nineveh? All of them. Every person. You say, well, Brandon, that's hard to believe, but can I tell you this? I believe all my heart. God was going to do that three days earlier. You say, I preached this to our teenagers before, and it's, and it's a little bit convicting, and I, I don't misinterpret this, but Brother Allen, that means to me that if God was going to do that three days before, that anybody that died lost in Nineveh during the three days that he was running and died lost and went to hell, who's that on? That's on Jonah. You say, well, Brandon, he can't send nobody to hell. You're right. I, I can't. If somebody dies because I don't witness to them, doesn't mean I sent them to hell. But their blood's on my heart because if God tells me to go witness to Brother Travis or Miss Allison or Brother Evan, and I reject and I reject and I say I'm not fully surrendering and they die lost, though their sins is what sent them to hell, I had every opportunity. And don't tell me that we're not going to live in regret knowing I had the opportunity to tell somebody about the Lord and I didn't. Can I tell you, I'm guilty of that. Brother Allen, I went to the hospital the other night and I texted some of our men in our church and I went down there with a broken heart because that was the case. You work with people every day and they know who you are, but have you ever point blank asked them, say, hey, listen, if you were to die today, if you were going to be in a motorcycle tomorrow, do you know for sure that heaven would be your home? Brother Brandon, if I ask on that, I'm going to be weird. I'd rather be weird, Brother Travis, and have a clear conscience knowing that I've done everything I can do to make sure they know that I care about them enough to ask them point blank, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven. Jonah, for three days and three nights, for the rest of his life, had to live with that. And I know he wasn't excited even when God saved all of them. He still wasn't pleased because he didn't like them. But can I tell you, I don't want to hinder. I do not want to not be fully surrendered. I don't want to almost fully surrender. I want to fully surrender to the Lord so that I can be used. I could preach on this all night, and it's 5 till 8 right now. And I'm not going to be fair. I'm going to let them go in the back so that they still like me. And they still want me to be their youth pastor. But I think about this. I could preach on this all night, Miss Allison, all these examples in the Bible. Everyone that surrendered, everyone that didn't surrender, all those that surrendered too late, all those that never surrendered, all those that surrendered right on time and God used their life. I think about in our scriptures, what if Paul would have never surrendered? What if the Damascus Road would have never happened? The majority of our New Testament, they're one of the greatest preachers that arguably outside of Jesus Christ ever surrendered God turned his life Nikki around he got saved just like you got saved just like I got saved but when he got saved he said God whatever I am is yours if you can use me use me and God changed a world a continent because one man surrendered what is God going to do with your life you must realize tonight closing this out you must realize that total surrenderance fully depends on him I can't say but the Travis I'm fully I'm going to totally surrender so Sunday morning is going to be the greatest message that I've ever preached in my entire life because I fully surrender and it's me. Brother Evan, I can tell you what's going to happen, and it's happened many times in my life. I said, man, I've got a message. God's helped me. I've done preaching in the shower three times. I mean, the shampoo's got saved. The soap's got saved. Somebody's got to come, and I leave out of here feeling like a fool because I did it in myself. Brother Evan, I didn't do everything he wanted me to do. Sunday school teacher with a youth leader, preacher, whatever it may be, it, we fully, our surrenderance fully relies on him. I could stand up tonight in that chair, and I'm not going to, but you've, you've seen the illustration before. If I sit in that chair, it's not fully surrendering. If I put one leg in that chair, it's not fully surrendering. But when I stand in that chair, it is fully surrendering on God. You must realize that it depends on Him. Number two, quickly tonight in closing, everyone who surrenders will at some point start to sink. 
Matthew 14, many people say, well, Brother Brandon, the reason, Miss Caitlin, that I don't serve God and that I don't give him everything and that I don't fully surrender to him is I know eventually, just like Peter, I'm going to sink, and if I don't do it, then I'll never sink. Can I tell you, I've sunk. I've started to sink. I've sunk many times. I've begun to drown many times in my Christian life. You step out, you're going to fall. But I can tell you, just as in this text, in verse number 31, Brother Josh, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and he called him. Peter never went fully under the water. He never, ever got to the point where he couldn't breathe. He never got to the point where he was bubbling and had to have CPR. No, Jesus was there. And if you'll fully surrender your life, Brother Hoyt, Brother Nikki, if you'll fully give God everything, he'll always be there for you. Brother Travis, there's been good times and hard times in ministry. And I've only been in it for 14 years. But there's been good times and hard times in ministry and great times and sad times. But I can't think of a time that he hadn't been there. Because we fully surrender, he's there for us. I think about thirdly, you'll never experience God staying in the boat. You know how many disciples walked on the water in the Bible, Brother Wayne? One. You know why? He got out of the boat. I said that to say this, guys, and I'm closing. Mr. Savannah, you come on to the pen if you don't mind, please. We learned Sunday morning that we can't say I almost got saved. We learned Sunday night that we can't say I almost said I was sorry. But thirdly tonight, we can't say that I almost fully surrendered. Now, you know what? I, I almost done that. I'll give you an illustration. If you say, well, Brandon and I, many of us have said before in school and athletics and different things, you know, if I had really applied myself, I might could have been a doctor today. You wouldn't want me to be your doctor. But when I was at Forbush, I didn't have on my mind, you know what? What can I do to make $100,000 a year, which I don't? What can I do? You know, my, my classes might have changed as a freshman. I had principles of business as a freshman. I hated it. So I got out of there and took masonry. I don't lay brick no day in my life. I probably should have stayed in principles of business. But I didn't like it. I mean, I had a teacher in the first test. The first day, she told us about herself, and she named her two cats. She said, all right, get out a piece of paper. What's my two cats' names? If you missed one, you got a 50. And it was a quiz grade. I don't know if that's legal or not, but she did that, and I failed because I didn't remember neither one of her cats' name. Day one, I got a zero as a quiz grade. I said, I met Mr. K for the first time. I said, I don't know nothing about masonry, but it's got to be better to remember somebody's cat's names that I can't remember. And I got out of there. I don't know how you want me to lay brick at your house, but I can tell you this. I look back, and had I applied myself a little bit better, maybe I'd be doing something different in my life. But you know what? God had this for me. But there's people that God has great plans for in your life. And, man, you're at school. You apply yourself, and I recommend that. You're in athletics. You're all in. I recommend that. But what about serving God? When you get to the end of your life, you're going to look back, and you say, Brother Brandon, what? have you done in your life? Well, I've, I've ran a company. I've ran a nonprofit. I got to help and do different things. But at the end of my life, what have you done for the Lord? You say, you know what? I've done a little bit, but I can't remember a day that I fully said, God, whatever you want for my life, I'll do it. God, if it's picking up trash at church, God, if it's just loving on a kid, letting them sit when we're doing church, if it's being a buddy of somebody, and if it's preaching, if it's singing, if it's being a missionary with 12 kids, whatever it is, I'll do it. See, Brother Brandon, it's not going to be an earth-changing moment for me, no, but have you ever just told God, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Now, be careful. Be careful, Nikki, because when you say that to God, you make promises to God at the altar, God may just call you. Preachers and spiritual people, she begins to play with them, and I've prayed before, and I've went to the altar, and I've been just as foolish. I went to the altar, and I've said, God, if you want me to go to Africa, I'll go to Africa. But there's been times in my life that I didn't mean it. And had he called me, she'd have divorced me. And I, I'd have been going to Africa by myself. But man, I'm going to make God a lot of promises in my life, but I ain't going to keep them. I'd just keep them to yourself. 
But if you really, really mean business, and I know there's probably 80 people here tonight, and I go to youth meetings, we get to preach youth meetings. I'll be at one, I'll be with about 250, 300 people tomorrow night in Statesville, Friday night up in Dobson or wherever, Low Gap at another youth meeting at different things. And there'll be people, there'll be hundreds and hundreds of people a week, it's in churches in general this weekend, preach and on the altar. Brother Travis, out of every hundred that comes to the altar, 99 of them may go back with the same situations in their life. But if it's just one person tonight, one young person, one older person, maybe you're listening here and say, Brother Brandon, I want to thank God tonight that I have surrendered. I look back at all that God's done in my life, and Brother Allen, there's been many trips in a Pontiac, Montana van. There's been many things, Brother Travis, there's been many stories told in the bunk bed. I've spent many nights with your boys and Devin and others in our church, and I've got many memories. Brother Travis, looking back, I don't regret any of them. I don't regret any of them. There was a time in my life where God broke me down. I was miserable, and I talked about it the other night. And I said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Brother Harold, it ain't nothing that I've done, but I've got to see God do a lot of things in a lot of states with a lot of kids that some people will never get to see, Brother Travis. And it's not because I did anything. It's all because I said, I'm not going to almost surrender. I want to totally surrender. Tonight, with every head bow and every eye closed, if we stand, I leave you with these three things. Brother Brandon, I would serve God with everything. And maybe you are. You could be 60 years old and you say, Brother Brandon, I don't know what you're talking about, but the rest of my life, I want to do what you just said. Can I tell you this really simple? If you're not surrendered to God, something's holding you back. Someone's holding you back. But the real reality is, but they haven't asked myself this question often in my life, how long am I going to allow them to? How, am I going to, how long am I going to allow this person to rob me or this thing or this situation to rob me from fully surrendering to God? We close out this series tonight, and I've enjoyed preaching it, and I'll, I'll go back and fine-tune it, and maybe somebody will preach it better one day down the road, or that's fine. But three, on, three things in the Bible that almost cannot be in. I almost got saved. I almost said I was sorry, and I almost totally surrendered to the Lord. Hey, if you've totally surrendered your life, you ought to thank God tonight. Look back and rejoice in what you've seen God do. This church has totally surrendered to God here on the side of the road. There's been a lot of births in this church. There's been a lot of victories in this church. There's been some battles in this church, but there's been more victories and battles in this church. We ought to thank God for that. Are you totally surrendered, or are you almost totally surrendered tonight? She's going to sing. We're going to pray. In just a moment, we're going to go home. You mind the Lord tonight as she sings. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school, for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's Holy Word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. 
And above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, if you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness 
and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.